0: Back here on Sports 1140 KHDK, we're at Golden 1 Center. Tonight it's the Kings and the Phoenix Suns. Uh, the latest on the injury report on tonight's game, we mentioned Tyrese was questionable. Uh, looks like it was listed as low back tightness. So we'll see. He is not out there warming up. He usually does come out early. So if we see him, we'll give you kind of update on that. Buddy Heald and uh, Damian Mitchell still the only two out on the floor right now for the Suns. They're not going to have Aiton or Saric tonight. Saric has been out since the playoffs. And uh, Aiton, of course, it's just been a couple games. So we'll see how that goes to close out the homestand for the week ahead for Sacramento after they finish this homestand. They then go to San Antonio, OKC, Detroit, and Minnesota. A four-game road trip that's uh, not too bad as far as the the records of the opposing teams, but that doesn't mean anything, right? The Kings right now... um, You've, you've had a difficult schedule. You've done a good job navigating your way through it, and they got to just keep it going in the best positive way, avoiding losing streaks. Their losing streaks this year have been two. That's it. Two-game losing streaks at two. Nothing more than that. No long win streaks either. So I still feel like one of those is coming up somewhere in here, but let's see if it can start tonight against Phoenix. So we'll have game night coming your way at 530. Uh, also, one hour from now, I want to talk about the Kings at 10. Ten games in. What I like, what I don't like, what we're seeing, and a couple other proclamations coming your way one hour from now. And at the bottom of this hour, we'll get into the best and worst of the NFL weekend. But looking back on the weekend, there was there was significant events that happened over the weekend that were fun besides the NFL, uh, certainly even uh, besides some of the NBA locally. I don't know if anybody out there is, is I hope they're following what's going on uh, with local football here between uh, the high school playoffs that went on on Friday and it was good to catch up with Joe Davidson from the Sacramento Bee on Friday, but also right here in our region with our college football teams. Uh, Sacramento State and UC Davis, both won again. Both are having really good seasons again. Both are ranked. I think UC Davis moved up all the way to number four in the FCS polls. Sac State, I think, is at 12 now. And they're two weeks away from one of what could be one of the best Causeway classics as far as hype, uh, records, talent, um, what's on the line. It's great. This is really good for our region and for these programs. And being involved in Sacramento State football for so long, uh, it's it's a treat for me to see them play like this consistently the last couple of years. And to just uh, – dominate lately, really. I mean, they just beat Cal Poly 41-9. to Davis got a really nice win at Northern Arizona, and you've got Davis at 8-1, and and Sacramento State at 7-2. and And they both play big games this weekend. UC Davis, and they're both at home. UC Davis will be at home for Eastern Washington in a critical game there for the Big Sky, and Sacramento State right now is tied with Montana State for the top spot in the conference, with Davis right behind them. Um, and Sacramento State will play Portland State who still has an outside chance of making the playoffs, So it's just, it was great college football to watch this weekend locally. I hope people are paying attention to it, or at least now starting to get intrigued by it, if you haven't been before, if you've been on the fringes, or, you know, there's just so many alumni in our area that are from both schools that didn't, you know, just leave town. you got a lot of Aggie people in town, a lot of Sacramento State Hornet people. And if you hadn't been out or hadn't been following these teams, I'd start to get involved. They're both really well coached. And for the amount of years that I've been doing this, 20-whatever seasons, since 97, um, so many years the league was dominated by Montana or Montana State or maybe Eastern Washington or Weber. And those teams are all still good. But to have UC Davis make the playoffs three years ago and win the title in the league, Sacramento State win title in the league two years ago and make the playoffs, they both likely are looking like playoff teams this year could win the title, could share the title for the conference. But Cal Poly, who has been a good team before, has changed their coach and kind of changed their philosophy, and Bo Baldwin's a good coach there. He's going to be really good. There there could be a stretch here coming up where the best teams in this conference are all from California, and I think that's pretty cool because it hasn't always been that way. And coaching can take you a long way. And the Hornets have had good coaches in the past, so has UC Davis. But it feels like it's all lined up right now really well for both programs and getting the support they need, getting the production they need. And it's cool to see. I think I really, uh, really have enjoyed it. So hopefully you guys have checked that out. As far as college football, the other games over the weekend is from the FBS level. Georgia's the clear-cut number one. And we'll talk to Chris Landry tomorrow instead of normally Wednesday because of Uh, the earlier Kings game on Wednesday. But uh, Georgia's just so loaded defensively, and then if they get anything going offensively, they're a major problem, and they were this weekend as they blew out Missouri uh, without any kind of issues there. Uh, There were some upsets, though, in college football that we expected to happen after they released the, the first BCS rankings, and people had issues with the way it laid out. And so right away, that's what Chris Landry said. He says, look, this will sort itself out. It always does. And if some people question whether a team like Michigan State should have been in the top as the top four, they were three, and they lost. They lost by 11 to Purdue, 40-29. to 29. Um, Cincinnati, certainly a team that we wondered, okay, they're on the outside. How are they going to get in? They're having this dream kind of season. They're having help from other people. Can this be a team that gets in? Well, they weren't. They were at six. Well, they had a scare, but they prevailed. And so they get a win that they needed. And Oregon was uh, another team that was in the top four. They won, like the only chance that the Pac-12 will have. Uh, they got the victory um, over the weekend by 10. I felt for a team like Cal this weekend. Cal had so many people out, players, coaches, just so many key personnel in their game that they had to play this weekend. And they lost to Arizona. And normally you'd say, well, that's not that big of a deal. Well, if you haven't been following, Arizona has lost 20 consecutive games going into that game. And so it had been a year plus for them. And Cal, you can write it off as to everything that had gone wrong and that with all the people that were out. But that really was kind of a brutal loss for them. And So college football still had their eventful weekend, still a couple more important weeks left as we get down near the end. And again, tomorrow uh, they'll have the new, polls out for the week as far as how the bcs looks and uh certainly um at the fcs level i hope you guys are following what uc davis and sacramento state are doing because it's it's pretty great stuff for our region i know they're recruiting even better locally and all these high school players that are playing friday night they've already committed to not all of them but some of them have committed to uc davis and sacramento state i think that's just good to keep the pipeline going keep this great region of football and good tradition and good coaching at the high school level even into the college level going and um It's nice. It's nice to see that. And when these guys stay home and produce, uh, it's really good for those programs. So really, really cool stuff there. All right. uh, Do want to tell you, again, we are brought to you by Capital Casino. As Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. All right. We will take our break here. We'll come back. We've got more to get to, including best and worst of the NFL weekend when we come back. We've got some baseball news. Gold gloves were handed out today, qualifying offers, and some baseball news to get to as much as uh, more football and the Kings tonight. That's all straight ahead right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. All right, back here on Sports 1140 KHDK, Jason Ross here with you. Again, coming up at the bottom of the hour, look back at the NFL's wild weekend. Um, some things that were predicted to happen certainly did not. I still can't believe the Buffalo Bills lost to Jacksonville. Raiders had the rough outing. The Niners were out coached and outplayed. Lots of things to get into. That's coming your way at the bottom of the hour, and then at five o'clock, uh, the Kings at ten. They They've played ten games. What we like, what we don't like, what needs to get better, and what's uh, what's working. And I think more more things are in that realm for the Kings, but we'll get into that at 5 o'clock. Then, of course, game night and uh, Kings Live pregame at 6.30. And, of course, the G-Man will have the call of the Kings and the Phoenix Suns coming your way uh, tonight. So we look forward to that. Um, also, before we kind of get into some other news from the weekend and from baseball as well, uh, it's time to get a new mattress. Shop local at Sleep First. So uh, qualifying offer time. It's been happening in MLB. This is a weird time. It's going to be a weird off season, I would say, for baseball in the sense that first and foremost, what's most important, and there's still more and more talk. I was reading a lot of stuff this weekend about some of the initial qualifying offers that have been out there, the potential free agents that are going to be out there, and it's a good class of players and people that, you know, even someone like um, Justin Verlander, who didn't play this last season, apparently is back after surgery and looking good and sharp, and, you know, those kind of people are going to get reintroduced into the league, and then who gets moved from team to team will shape what the 2022 season looks like. But before any of that happens, they've got to get business in order with a collective bargaining agreement and new terms going forward. And I think, you know, they had issues and baseball nearly didn't get restarted during COVID. If We take you back to that time when, you know, things were like, okay, baseball will continue here, but when? And then they ultimately agreed to a modified deal, a modified season, and different kind of parameters. Well, there's a lot of talking points that the two sides have to sort through. And I don't like when I read about this, and more and more people think there will be a work stoppage. And I don't think of all – I mean, it's never a good idea. I've said this, and I'll continue to say it. I think one of the biggest disconnects – at least I'll speak for myself on this – between a fan of a sport – and the league or the athletes themselves is, one, either the money that they make or just the argument of not of, of why they can't come out and play. And, you know, there's there's always more to the story, and it's not a one-sided thing. Players should always try to get the most that they can. I think the owners make a, a ton of money. But, you know, can you find that middle ground that works for both parties? And that's something that, for this sport, Specifically, I mean, I'm still a big baseball fan, but how many of you out there are? How many people really check out the majority of the baseball season, or just check the standings, or are you just watching a game here and there, or listening to a game, or going to two a year, or one a year, or waiting for the playoffs? It feels like football has domination just because of the nature of the sport in a one-week Sunday games for the most part. Um each week feels like it has so much importance, but you play a series in May between the Giants and the Pirates, let's say. Midweek, Tuesday through Thursday. How important is that series? Grand scheme of things, every game adds up, but barring a outlier game or a no-hitter, a shutout, a win streak that's going really long, a long losing streak, Or an individual performance of someone hits three home runs, nine RBI, something crazy. It's just another Wednesday, another Tuesday, another Thursday, where of 162. Whereas football, when you play this few games, and it's once a week, and the high, it just it it lays out so much better. NBA is cut in half, basically in the amount of games, and you know some some say they wait till Christmas, even after Christmas, to even get involved in the NBA. It feels a little different here being that the Kings are here. And I know a lot of people are passionate about them and we cover them a lot, but baseball's in a position where they've got to make sure they get on the field and they play their games. And I don't want to say no matter what it takes, but you know, you've got to get both sides happy and comfortable. And then can they find whatever tweak it is in, in a sport that has been digging its heels in tradition and in history that audience is either passed on or getting way up in age. So how are you getting that next group of fan to love baseball when one of the biggest complaints has been pace of play, and yet this year, with some adjustments, it still was, I think by time, a slower year than any other year before. So I don't know if a pitch clock will do it, a stricter one, a shorter one. Um, they've gimmicked up the game a little bit, eliminating shifts. If they do that, does that help? DH in the National League, does that help? Um, the fact is baseball, I think, is talking about these things. That's healthy. But can you get more people involved? Do you play less games? Is that going to do it? Then you got the argument for people. Well, uh, part of the charm to me in baseball is records that get broken, and it's going to be a lot more difficult to do it in a shortened season or shorter, but maybe that's better for the game. There's a lot of things to look at, and a lot of things to, for baseball to work on to get more people intrigued and excited, and passionate about it. Because there's good players. There's some really good young, talented players that are out there, and teams now are going to be starting their qualifying offer process and have already, like the Giants, did a, extended a qualifying offer for Brandon Belt. Um, gold gloves were announced today. You get a gold glove in Brandon Crawford. That's no surprise. I mean, how good is Brandon Crawford? Not only, I mean, most times when guys age in their career, they kind of figure it out, they're just how to hit. Like, just they, they've they got the full concept of they've seen everything. They're comfortable. They know how to get out of slumps. It's just slumps are shorter. Um, they can hit to all fields. They They've kind of mastered the craft. You kind of lose a step maybe and, and maybe lose something as a as a fielder. But Crawford had as good of a year as he's ever had. Made so many amazing plays. He's just a magician with the glove. He's still quick, makes all the plays, saves runs, uh, and he's got a flash to him too. And so for him, that's a cool moment to get another gold glove or to get a gold glove. For the A's, uh, they had the gold glove corners before in Olsen and Chapman. This time Olsen did not get a gold glove. Matt Chapman did and uh, Murphy did, Sean Murphy, the catcher. So they had two gold glovers, one behind the dish in Murphy, and Matt Chapman. Chapman's interesting because I know when we talk about the A's during the year, um, I still had felt that for them to really get going at the end, I, I think if everything is right, everybody's playing their best, I think Chapman is still their best player. I really do. Now, that may not hold up because he hasn't been consistently hitting well, for the last two years. Olsen's been a good hitter. Marte was great addition for them last year. He's going to be a coveted free agent. And I just feel like if Chapman could find his offense again, like he ended up hitting a bunch of homers last year, but it wasn't impactful. And they weren't irrelevant, but they weren't. he was not knocking in a bunch of runs. A bunch of his home runs were solo home runs. His average was down. And really the other intriguing thing to me about the ace right now is who's going to be managing that team? I'm still a little bit stunned. I shouldn't have been, but I was stunned by Bob Melvin. I'm not stunned by his decision. I just can't believe that he's gone. Um, he, was, he was such a huge piece to the puzzle for why the A's were good. He helped them all the time. He made them a better team. And the fact that they allowed him to talk to the Padres was just foolish to me. And now he's gone, and now the A's are looking, I'm sure, at internal candidates in Ryan Christensen. you got Kotze out there. I think Ron Washington is who a lot of people would love them to have, who's got the ties to the organization, who has made so many people better, including in the A's organization, but certainly did great work with the now champion Atlanta Braves. Um, That's a big, big hire that's coming up for the Oakland A's. And I think they're going to really, really miss Bob Melvin. So it feels like the guys that are connected to him would know his style, know how his approach was, and, you know, have to put their own spin on it. But I think Ron Washington would be a really popular move if the A's can do that. And others, you know, reading about the A's, this feels like this might be just the start of things. Are they going to be able to keep guys and retain guys, which has been a problem in the past? And that's really tough for that organization. I credit them. They always find ways to make it through that, regroup, and still become a winning team, a difficult team to beat, and sometimes a playoff team. I mean, the A's have been good. They really have. This year was uh, a fall off at the end, but it still was a team that had a good season. So we'll see where it goes for them. All right, we still got to get into this NFL weekend, though, because you had things that happened all over the place, whether it was the cowboys down 30 to nothing at home to the broncos and ultimately losing you had the jags somehow some way beating the buffalo bills all these first place teams had a bad day then there's that chiefs packers game which was supposed to be the game of the weekend and Aaron Rodgers isn't there and it was that was awful it was not a good football game though the chiefs did win we're going to get into that the best and worst of the nfl weekend when we come back we also have to talk about the kings through 10 games And the crossover all before we get you to game night as we continue right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Back here on Sports 1140 KHTK again. Kings basketball coming up tonight. Golden one center, the Kings and the Phoenix Suns. Second matchup of the year, the first one. What a thriller. That one in Phoenix, Harrison Barnes, game winner uh, to get the walk-off win for the Kings. But a matchup tonight, Kings and Suns coming your way here on KHDK. Coming up at uh, 5 o'clock, the top of the hour, we're going to kind of go over where the Kings are now. Obviously played 10 games, they're 5-5, five and five, but what's good, what's bad, what needs worked on, uh, working on for them, what they need to get better at. But Really far more positives for me at what we've seen so far through the first 10 games. We'll, like I said, do a deeper dive on the Kings coming up at the top of this next hour. Uh, And then we'll also have the crossover from the morning show, which is going to tie into De'Aaron Fox. A good question that Dave and Jay asked this morning that we'll have some numbers for you to close out the show before we get you to game night. So uh, that's all coming up. I wanted to get into football because this last weekend, uh, one of the beauties we say on every Monday is the NFL. Just you don't know what you're going to get. And this was a a head scratcher of a weekend in a sense that I think if you had an opinion on who you thought was good, this weekend could have wrecked that a little bit for the most part, right? You think about teams that were going into the weekend in first place, Cowboys, uh, you think about uh, the Raiders, and we'll get into them in a second of uh, the bills team. I've been very high on um, the Packers technically were in first place. You understand what, why they may have lost, but um, Rams have been looking good. So it was it was one of those things where the NFL showed itself as to why it's a great league because you can have an opinion. You can think who's going to win, uh, but the other team's trying to win, too. And the other teams showed up well this weekend, kind of the underdogs. And we'll get into that, kind of the best and worst of the weekend around the NFL, who had the best weekend, who had the worst. So we're going to do that here in this segment. We've got to start with, uh, with our teams here. Uh, I say locally because the Raiders still have attention here but we're going to start with the 49ers. And okay, 31-17 was the the official loss here yesterday for the Niners at home to the Cardinals. Let's hear how it uh, sounded from the Cardinals radio network. So the Arizona Cardinals without their quarterback, without their top two receivers, without their special teams coach win again on the road. 8 and 1, 5 and 0 away from home. to the final score. Yeah, you heard all the things that were missing, right? You knew that coming in, that likely Kyler Murray wasn't going to play. DeAndre Hopkins wasn't going to play. What an opportunity for the 49ers also to be back at home, thirsting for that first home field win. And it just wasn't there. The 49ers had one of those days that uh, you can have when you've got a cushion, like the Cowboys. Cowboys can have the game they had yesterday. They're not in real stress of losing their division. They're in fine position to make the playoffs. Nobody wants to have those kind of days. Nobody does. Niners didn't want to do what happened yesterday. But I think there was more things falling in their favor. They're at home. They have a healthier team at the key positions. The Niners aren't fully healthy. And, of course, the news we told you earlier today in uh, First Things First with the damaging news about Mike McGlinchey being out for the rest of the season with that injured quad um, but going in, I mean, their best player, MVP candidate Kyle, Kyler Murray, is out. Uh, their best receiver is out. You got to take advantage of that. And the Niners were just making miscues and mistakes and off their game. And another home field loss for the Forty ers Here's uh, Jimmy G post game. We just got to fix something. I it's hard. It's hard to. Pinpoint exactly what that is, whether it's focus uh, at home. I don't know. Our, our crowd deserves it though because they're out there screaming, yelling. You know, they get loud for us, the faithful, and so we we got to play better for them. They owe it to everybody. It's not just the fans. They just have to be better, better at home, better overall, better engaged, better, better coached, uh, less mistakes. It just felt lackluster. And you know, here here I actually want to play this one too from Jimmy G because I think this explains a little bit what I think needs to happen for the Niners. And maybe that's too perfect for them. But here's here's Jimmy G on kind of being behind the game. Slow start, I think, put us behind the eight ball from the get-go. I think when you're playing like that, it's, it's always tough. But, yeah, that's where it starts. And just throughout the game, there's just little mess-ups here and there. The turnovers killed us. Uh, just little things like that. I think he's right. Well, he's right in the case of yesterday, right? They were behind the eight ball, and they were playing catch-up and all that kind of stuff and probably got away from the game plan. I'm sure they had a good game plan coming in. I thought this team was going to be able to run and run effectively, against the Cardinals with Elijah Mitchell, but turnovers forced them to be behind 14 nothing after one quarter, and then, but there's a lot of football left. I mean, Elijah Mitchell doesn't need just eight carries. It felt like they turned into, you know, do you want Jimmy G to throw 40 times? Just don't think that's the, the DNA of this team. So to me, I've always felt like this team, if everything is right, they want to run, they want to have the lead, they want to mix in the pass and rely on the defense. Those are all great in theory. They're actually fantastic in theory. But you better get the game on your own terms. And this game was not on the Niners' terms. It really should have been and could have been with the personnel that were out for the Cardinals. But this game was not played in the way that Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers wanted it to be really from the get-go. And when that thing got to uh, 24-7, 31-7, then, okay, we can't be a running team. I think you can. It's just there was... You know, you're thinking about the number of time left and amount of, you know, how are you going to get this done in the amount of time? Well, turnovers hurt them. Poor play hurt them. I thought the defense could have helped them out even more than they did. And there's one other element that seemed pretty obvious to me, but we're going to hear first from the coach, Kyle Shanahan. We didn't play very well today at all. I was real disappointed. I thought we'd play really well. I thought we'd even improve from the week prior. Um, but obviously, it didn't go that way. It was extremely disappointing. Um, I don't think we tackled very well. Um, I didn't think we had 11 guys swarming to the ball enough. Uh, I think we made it pretty easy on those guys. All right. Shanahan, frustrated, obviously, and understandably so. This, to me, was also a game. And I'm a big proponent of Kyle Shanahan. They got out coached. That's a hard one to say. And that's a hard one to say for players. You know, sometimes a coach will come out in a press conference and say, this one's on me. And I go, you know what, it's not. It's not on him. Players go out and play, and the coaches, it can be, but they're taking the the bullets for the team. The Arizona Cardinals, to me, knew all along that Kyler Murray wasn't going to play, and maybe the Niners thought that too, and they knew that likely Hopkins wasn't going to play. They played last Thursday. They lost. I felt like they went into the lab, found their best game plan, and they stuck to it and executed it and out-coached the 49ers. That's tough, and I'm usually a proponent of what the Niners provide offensively, defensively, and scheme and and all that. But, again, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. They need it on their terms, and they were never able to dictate that. They never got control of the game in that way. And 14-0 first quarter is not good, but you can come back from a game like that. You can. And they just kept making mistakes, couldn't punch in enough big plays, and just got off schedule. And getting off schedule because of the other team – out-executed, out-coat. I just, you know, they ran the trick plays. They just did everything seemingly to me better than the 49ers and a team that was, when you're under personnel, you really kind of have to coach your game your way through it, and the Cardinals did that and the Niners didn't. And this doesn't bury the 49ers by any means. I mean, they're 3-5. and five. I don't like where it's going, but as we've said and we'll continue to say with that extra spot available in the postseason, there's still opportunities here. But it's got to get right soon. I had said going into last week, you had two games coming up that were critical. You didn't have to win both. You likely don't want to lose both. Well, you've lost the first, and now the next one's the Rams, going to be a little bit bitter after losing this last game. So the the field you're worrying about, if you're a Niner fan and you want to get in, this is, this is the group of teams we're talking about. Falcons, Panthers, Vikings, Seahawks, Bears, Eagles, Giants. Niners look like them to me. they might be a little bit better than them. Might not be, obviously, at this rate. they got to figure out something at home because this home record's not going to get it done, and uh, they get the Rams next. But uh, certainly the Niners are on the very, very short list of teams that had a disappointing weekend. All right, now let's go to the Raiders. Also disappointing. I really was was liking where the Raiders were coming into this week, Um, but curious as to how they would play based on the circumstances of the week. Now, nobody else had to go through what the Raiders had to go through, and uh, maybe sometimes it's just playing football is the best thing that can happen to you. But talk about another team that was just off. I thought Carr was off. I thought the team was off. That there were chances to, to get separation in the game, still chances to come back and win the game, and they just kept making mistake after mistake and just left the Giants in the game, and the Giants, to their credit, got the win, got it done. And uh, let's hear from head coach Rich Passaccia. On really the emotions of the week, but the emotions of the team and how it affected or impacted the game, if at all. We didn't see any issues with their emotions or any issues with their resilience or any issues with their effort or any issues with their attitude or their poise or the way in which they represented their team today. I thought that was all good. All right, we're going to stick with that theme, kind of the emotional theme of the game and hear from Derek Carr on the emotions. I thought mentally we were ready. Myself, I was ready to go. I was excited just to play football. I don't think that emotions or anything like that were uh, into it. The second interception, Zay ran a double move. I tried to fit it in. Before the safety got there, he got there. That had nothing to do with emotion. <laughs> you know, That just that was a decision that I made, and it, uh, it didn't work out. Okay, so now that just gets into the game, the nuance. What was happening? What was going on inside the game? Raiders came in as a small favorite. I thought they would win. A traveling cross country, all that, okay, sure. But Raiders have won their last couple of games. And, you know, having Josh Jacobs back, having Darren Waller back. uh, Carr was off. Carr wasn't his typical self. And they had some hurries. They only sacked him, I think, once or twice. But he threw a couple of picks. And there just were opportunities that this team had. And it was the ex-Raider, Devontae Booker, had a really good rushing game against them. He had nearly 100 yards. But it just felt like the Raiders were just kind of Tredging along in this one. I don't don't even know how else to explain it. It just felt like there were opportunities there for this team. Um, And I just, they just didn't get it done. Didn't look sharp. Didn't have their best game. And I can't wait. I don't know how to impact, you know, that Coach Passaccia and Carr both saying, yeah, I mean, it was an emotional week, but they can't, they're not putting that on this game. I like what Carr said there, um, or let's hear him say it here, actually, about just really, just being better overall. Honestly, at the end of the day, we just need to be better as players. Coaches did a great job. All of those things. I got to be better. This one's on me. And he's right. He's got to be better. The team's got to be better. I know they're more They're more than capable of doing this. This was just a nice opportunity to kind of stack on here and, and maybe take advantage of a, a division that's not great and get a win. They had beaten the Eagles. Um, they still have the Cowboys later. But I thought they'd get the Giants and get even just in a better position. Now it sets up for a big one Sunday night when the Raiders will be at home Sunday night in Vegas against the Chiefs, who got through their game this weekend, but uh, just five and four. And the division is is really becoming interesting. And if you're the Raiders, what, you, what the week did for them is uh, they're the only one that lost. They watched the Broncos get a win that people didn't think would get, myself included. The Chiefs figured out a way to win against... Green Bay, but still they aren't right. And then the Chargers had the ball last and got the last points of the game in Philadelphia. So that division is Chargers five and three, Raiders five and three. Chargers would have the division based on the head to head right now. Chiefs five and four and the Broncos five and four. So the swing of that, I mean six and two obviously looks better, and then it takes less pressure off this Chiefs game. But now all of a sudden the Chiefs game, much more pressure on it for the Raiders, being that it's at home. And uh, I look at this last weekend as a missed opportunity. It doesn't, doesn't derail too many things, but a missed opportunity to just get yourself in a better position. But it was part of a, a really odd and bizarre weekend, I would say, in the NFL. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. We talked about the AFC last week when I was saying every time we kind of believe on a team, believe in a team, we get let down. In the AFC, it's happened. It's happened when Baltimore was cooking. Then they had a weird loss. Oh, here comes Cincinnati, this young upstart team. Then they kind of go backwards. Um, The Chargers were rolling. Then they lose two in a row. Um, The Bills are the latest. They're my Super Bowl team still. And what? What are they doing? How are they losing to Jacksonville? And not even scoring either. That game was just a bizarre, bizarre day. So if you look at the best and the worst of the weekend... Uh let's go to the best first, or the best list first. And um I'm going to start with the Sunday night game and the Titans. How great of a win is it for the Titans to go into Los Angeles? The Rams get all this attention last week f- by adding Von Miller. They're at home Sunday night football. Titans lose their their centerpiece to me and Derrick Henry and there's actually word late last week that he still may come back before the season's over. But They didn't do it with this amazing offense. They shut down the Rams' offense. It was the Titans' defense. They got, well, one pick six. The second one felt like a pick six, basically setting him up at the goal line. I don't know what Stafford was thinking on that side, you know, getting whipped around, and he just throws the ball. He's, He's trying to avoid a safety. Instead, he basically gives up seven points. But they even get Adrian Peterson in the end zone. The Titans' last couple of weeks have just been terrific. And they're on a roll. They had that really bad loss to the Jets. And since then, a comfortable win against the Jags. They beat the Bills. They beat the Chiefs by three scores, beat the Colts, and beat the Rams. So the Titans at 7-2, and two, are they the team, finally, that's going to establish themselves in the AFC? I don't know. I don't know if they will. The way the season's gone, I would say no. It'll change. It'll change again. But they definitely go on the best list of a team that probably had some things going against them going into the week, certainly with Derrick Henry as an underdog on the road, and just went in and played great and won by 12. That was impressive. I'm going to put the Cardinals back on the list. Uh, We just talked about the game with the Niners, but more from the Niners' perspective. But the Cardinals had a great week. You don't have Kyler Murray. You don't have Hopkins, and you go into San Francisco and uh, utilize those extra days. You get Colt McCoy. That's the exact kind of veteran quarterback play that you would want from a guy like that. James Conner continues to be a productive touchdown producer, and that's a good win. That's a game that could have been a setback for you in two straight losses. Instead, the Cardinals just keep this really strong season going for them. Uh, Also on the positive list this week, the Jags, Jacksonville, Josh Allen on Josh Allen crime. That doesn't happen a lot. Uh, In fact, the first time that's ever happened, but that was cool for Jacksonville to get a home field win. All field goals, no sizzle to that game. But to hold Buffalo to six, to win that game, it's not going to kickstart Jacksonville, in my opinion. But for a week, you get to end up on the best list. And that's really good for them. Watch out for this team I'm going to put on the best list, too. The Patriots. I was kind of thinking, nah, it's not happening this year. They were just kind of going up and down, up and down. But three wins in a row. Remember when they put over a half a hundred on the Jets? Then they got the Chargers. That was a really good win. And... I don't think it's a, a major win to beat the Panthers, but they did it convincingly. And now all of a sudden, they're 5-4, and four, feeling much better about Mac Jones, I'm sure, as this season goes along. And Bill Belichick is, is coaching his heart out. So they go on the good list, too, of uh, teams that went well uh, for them. Got to highlight um, the Falcons. They gave up a score late to the Saints. Looked like they were in trouble, but they go down the field and get a walk-off field goal, and the Falcons are 4-4. Four and four. They, too, now are in the mix. And then a couple of teams that had key players that were on their team as the week started, and then by the trade deadline or even removing them from the team, were no longer there. God, I thought uh, important wins yesterday. First is the Broncos going into Dallas and not winning 30-16. to 16. That was 30 to nothing. And they were demolishing Dallas for a while to get their fifth win. That's after losing Von Miller. That could be a message to the locker room of a little bit of deflating of a centerpiece that that defense has had for years. But they move on from him, and here goes the team, and they just cruise and play really well and get a quality win in Dallas. And then the last one I'm going to put on the best list, too, is uh, the Browns. The Browns kind of go through that turmoil of Odell Beckham. We'll see where he ends up maybe as early as tomorrow. Um, And they went into Cincinnati and just... Got back to kind of what we said earlier about the 49ers. Get to your game plan. Get to your strengths. What do you want to do? They want to run. Nick Chubb, 137 on the ground. Baker Mayfield did connect on a couple of long passes, but timely pass. Just 14 of 20, I think he was, something like that. A couple of touchdowns. Quality win. Blew out the Bengals. They go on the best list. Tonight, of course, Monday Night Football will be the Bears and the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers trying to get themselves kind of back in the mix where people have been kind of forgetting about them. Bears still can be in that mishmash of, mishmash of teams in the NFC that still have a chance, uh, certainly with that 17th game too. So there's there's still quite a bit of football, quite a bit of football to go. All right, now we got to flip it and go to the other side of things. The teams that had a, a bad week this week. Um, I'm going to put two in here and they were the same team, same game. It's the Packers and the Chiefs. And the reason a team that won had a bad week, the Chiefs, they're still not right. They're still not right. And maybe this is just who they are. Maybe I'm foolish in thinking, when are they going to turn this around? They played a Packers team without Aaron Rodgers at home. And it was 13-7. to No points in the second half. And Kansas City, the most important thing for them on the credit is that they won. But I'm going to maintain that the Chiefs just... When When is that breakthrough game going to happen? The weapons are still there. It just it hasn't clicked. I mean, Mahomes, i, I got to look up Mahomes' final box score because I know it was way, way down. Yeah, he completed 20 passes, which is great, for of 37. But for 166, got sacked once. No interceptions. That's big, but just one touchdown. Jordan Love on the other side. The Packers a negative two. I mean, they just kind of had to get through the game. They're not in any trouble here. It's seven and two. A lot of turmoil, a lot of stuff they had to go through with Aaron Rodgers during the week, but Jordan Love is now getting to see a live game, real important action for him. He wasn't very good. He did not look very good. By the end, his stats were just okay, and I know here's another situation like I talked about earlier when coaches say, this is on me. That's what Coach LaFleur did. I don't know about that. Jordan Love's been in the system for a year and a half now, and I still maintain in the summer when Aaron Rodgers was being difficult, if the team really felt they would be better or could be better without Rodgers and get whatever they could to bolster the team and go forward with Jordan Love, they don't believe in Jordan Love. They haven't shown him why. He didn't show anything yesterday to make anybody believe in him. So it's not an end statement on that. He's got to keep getting better and keep working because against Kansas City, which is not a great defense, he would look subpar to me he didn't look the part like some guys used to look at him and go, oh yeah he had a bad game but he looks the part. he didn't look the part to me I think Trey Lance is going to be good I look at Jordan Love and I have questions I don't I don't see it I don't see it right now I don't see it there and his performance I think would be disappointing for the Packers organization and also validates why a guy like Aaron Rodgers is the MVP or a MVP candidate because he had been playing like one and then without him woof, it did not look good for Green Bay at all. So I would put them on the on the bad list or on the negative list for the week. A couple of the teams to highlight. Um, I'm not going to put the Cowboys there because I'm not that down on that. I think they're just fine. I think they'll be o- uh, okay here. I got to go to the Raiders. Raiders, you had an opportunity. You had uh, a team t- that you can beat and probably should beat. And I know you went through things this week, but uh, not only losing, but to have all three teams in your division get a win uh, was kind of killer for the Raiders and sets up a an important and yet tough game an intriguing game on so many levels Sunday night against Kansas city. Um, let's see who else we had here on this list. I also am going to put um, the 49ers as well. As we mentioned earlier, feeling like they were out coached, which is something that just can't happen in this league. Um, and when the Cardinals didn't have all their personnel, that's a game. You just, you just have to lock in and find your way and unfortunately they didn't Uh, some of the other games just to to acknowledge that we didn't really talk about uh, the Dolphins beat the Texans someone had to get that one word before that game about Tua Tonga Vailoa was not going to be able to play so they went to Jacoby Brissett. he was fine 17-9 feels like what the Dolphins versus Texans game would be that's exactly what it was I actually was a little bit more optimistic on the Texans with Tyrod Taylor being back in the mix but right now, those look like two bad teams. Dolphins just get their second win. Texans uh, drop to 1-8. and eight. The Saints had their opportunities with Trevor Simeon guiding the uh, the team and the offense. Um, Taysom Hill had a couple of plays where he ran in there when the Saints got the late score on their comeback, but it left about a minute or so on the clock, maybe a hair less. And Matt Ryan led the Falcons down the field into an impressive uh, final field goal to win that one, 27-25. But I just thought this weekend in the NFL... Gave us so much uh, uncertainty as far as who's good, who's not. I mean, the teams that didn't play, like Tampa Bay, it was good for them just to watch some carnage go around uh, the NFC around them. Uh, It was nice for them to have the weekend off. Seattle uh, didn't play. They're getting some news. Looks like that Russell Wilson will be okay to play after he injured that finger. He's missed the last, what, three games or so. So that's good for Seattle. That's not good for the 49ers because that's a team that obviously is much better when Russell Wilson is in the mix and and now that we've gotten to this point, basically there's an 18 wake season, right? Teams will play 17 games uh, with a bye week and we've played nine after tonight's Monday Night Football game. So further evaluation on the teams fur- further opinions on what we think we see out there. We've made it this far and you have just one team in the NFL with one loss and that's still Arizona. And there's still one team in the league. There they are, the Detroit Lions, without a win at 0-8. Now, they had a good weekend, I guess, because they didn't play. But um, there's good parity in the league. It it does leave you scratching your head, like we said earlier, on who's good. Bill's a first-place team lost this week. The Ravens are in first, but, man, they needed overtime to win. Titans look good as a first-place team. Raiders were in first. They lost. So there's half of the AFC first-place teams that lost. And then in the NFC, Cowboys, first-place team, still no jeopardy of losing that, but they lost. Green Bay, first-place team, they lost. They're also a couple clear of, of second place. I mean, the Vikings are 3-5, and five, Cow- uh, Packers are 7-2, and two, much like the Eagles being 3-6 and six and the Cowboys 6-2. and two. So those two teams, it's not that concerning that they lost, but first-place teams that went down. Tampa's in first, they didn't play. And Arizona, I thought, would lose to the 49ers, but Arizona didn't. They got the win, so congratulations to them, and then uh, tomorrow on the show as well. After this game tonight between Chicago and Pittsburgh, we'll give you a brand new uh, kind of power rankings: the top five, bottom five in the NFL. As uh, obviously, with the results over the weekend, there'll be some some juggling going on, and we'll have that uh, coming your way tomorrow. All right. When we come back, the Kings, the Kings tonight get the Phoenix Suns, and Phoenix, think about what they've done since the Kings played them last. They haven't lost. Kings gave them that loss to put them at one and three. And Phoenix right now is five and three. So they've won four consecutive games. They're going to be playing without DeAndre Ayton tonight. And the Kings should be uh, fairly healthy and ready to go for this one at five and five. So that's 10 games in for the Kings. When we return, we'll talk about the Kings at 10. What it looks like, what's good, what's bad, what needs work. We'll do that when we return right here on Sports 1140 KHDK.